Welcome to this, the 56th edition of the Gouda Podcast, recording on the Monday evening after Arsenal was 3-2 defeat at home to West Bromwich Albion and 24 hours before the Gunners faced Partizan Belgrade. As usual, this podcast is sponsored by the website for all your best unofficial Arsenal t-shirts, gunashirts.com. I'm your host, David Udo, and there's a little rotation on the panel for this recording. To kick us off on guitar, it's our man on the streets of Hampstead stalking the stars for us, singer... Don Sebastiano. Well, it's funny you should say that because my voice is gone, so not singing that much these days. But I did stalk William Gallas recently. <laughs> really? More on that later. More on that later. Um, next up, the return of the not so esteemed editor of the Guna, a man who has had I hate to say I told you so by the hives <laughs> ringing in his head all day, Mr. Kevin Witcher. It is true, listeners, and I'd rather have egg on my face, although I'm actually going to be eating egg fried rice quite soon. Never mind. And finally, a more occasional guest, and dare we venture, a close personal friend of the new Labour leader, Ed Miliband, <laughs> from the Corridors of Power and the Arsenal Supporters Trust, Mr Tim Payton. Hello there. No, I was actually David's mate, so <laughs> a bad weekend. Shoot the researcher. Shoot the researcher. <laughs> it was just a speculative guess. <laughs> Although, Kevin, whilst we welcome Mr. Mr Tim Payton, we, we may have been welcoming someone else, such as my understanding. Well, um, as, as regular listeners may be aware, one of uh, Don Sebastiano's... Uh, Buddies is the former Culture Club drummer and Spurs fan, Mr John Moss. Yeah, but he's not coming. And I, I, the question for you is, we asked him, he did think about it. Oh, yeah. Do you think if the result had been different last Tuesday, he might have come? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> he, bottled it. he definitely bottled it. Thanks, John. <laughs> so, without further ado, um, what to possibly talk about since the last podcast? We had three away games and three home games. Uh, things for sheer optimism, things for sheer pessimism. But let's not ignore the elephant in the room. What the hell happened on Saturday against West Bromwich Albion? Kevin Witcher. I believe the team felt that they only had to turn up, and uh, it's not the first time it's happened. I've seen Arsenal play like that before. I actually think we didn't play that much differently at Sunderland in some ways. We were just a bit more open. Um, so I suspect that the what I describe as the culture of complacency still runs rampant throughout the club. And players, I mean, uh, you know, how many tackles did uh, Diaby make? According to football365.com this morning, during his 59 minutes on the pitch, Abu Diaby attempted two tackles, successfully completing none of them. This is a holding central midfield player whose main job is to interrupt the pattern and flow of the opposition side. And that kind of symbolises the whole thing for me. It was a god-awful performance. The real question is... Do we dismiss it as a bad day at the office or symptomatic of something greater? And my theory, my feeling is that we have a very inconsistent side and 
this is going to happen again this season. Dusty, in, in, in response to Kevin's question, is this uh, is this a blip or is it or is it symptomatic of a, a deeper underlying problem uh, within the Arsenal first team squad? Well, we've got you know th- this injury thing, right? That's just it's a bit like when uh, Michael Corleone's misses what's her name. The one, oh, bloody old K, K, Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton, you know, um, this Sicilian thing, you know, this injury thing, you know, um, this injury thing, Michael. It's an abortion, Michael. Um, I'm sorry, but Arsenal at the moment, we've got, we've got some, something's gone really wrong. We've got seven players out, haven't we? Seven first team players? Yep. Six, seven. And, you know, and apparently Diaby wasn't even 100% fit. And I, I really don't rate him as a first-team player. I still think we've got one or two players who just really, you know, whether they're in the squad or not is one thing. But Hang on, I just have to interject here. You're talking about injuries. Yeah. The goalkeeper, the back four, and the two central uh, holding players, that's, that's seven players. Only the Marlin is not regarded as the first-choice player that didn't play that game. So you had six out of seven guys there who are the first picks. Well, hang on a minute. Who's out? You've got, you got Van Persie? No, no, I'm talking Fabregas. about the defensive side of the team. Right. Well, Almunia is, is not playing for, against... He's number one. He's he not is playing the first tomorrow, choice. Then, is he? More on Manuel later. More no, on Manuel but, but later. once again, another injury. Apparently, he's injured. Yeah, but I mean, maybe my, his feelings are hurt My point is, the know. team against West Brom, defensively, was almost full strength in terms of the back seven, if you like. Uh, and there was, there was one out for Marlin. Yeah, it's true. Almost full strength. Yeah, so basically, you seven. can't cope with one injury in, in the defensive part of your team, then you are in trouble. So you consider Diaby a first-choice player? Oh, no, the manager does more personally. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't. But, I mean, if, if it were a key game, if it were the Champions League final, I mean, obviously we're talking cloud cuckoo land here, <laughs> but if it was... It was a game that mattered. I mean, we'll see you know, what happens at Chelsea. Well, our best week. 11 doesn't include Diaby, does it? To you and I. No, but you shouldn't be counting that because you can't play your best 11 against West Brom if you've got Partizan coming and if you've got Chelsea coming. You've got to have a best 18 and he is within our best 18. Mm. And that's the problem at the moment. The yeah, best 18 isn't doesn't best. cut it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't cut it. And the thing is, we've got substandard players, one or two or three or four, right, who need to be world-class players. I've been saying this for the last three years, but or four years. And, and we've got this injury China doll thing that, you know, how many games are we into the season? Four? Uh, well, eight, eight games. In all games. Eight, what? what six, league games? Six, six Premier games. Six Just Premiership six games into the season and seven of our players are injured. Tim, what's Arsene Wenger thinking about his players after a game like West Brom? The manager very rarely was very vocal in criticism of the team, saying that he did not recognise them and they got exactly what they deserved. Well, a bit like the team, I didn't turn up on Saturday. I was at a wedding, so but it might mean I've actually read a bit more of the follow-up to try and work out what happened. And his comments weren't normal. It appeared he was as shell-shocked as everybody there. But he is the man who has to motivate a team like that, and clearly something just went wrong in the attitude. Was it 120 minutes in, in their legs and also the feeling that if you can do what they did at Tottenham, that they could just do it? against West Brom without trying. Perhaps his selection suggested that. They were already looking forward. They were already got their mind on these two big away games, which we all assumed were the test. And it was just turn up and sort West Brom out. Um, What's even more worrying, maybe, is that 
we've got we've got done by a team that comes to the Emirates to play football as opposed to the other model that comes to park the bus. So you know, either tactic has got a chance against us now. Well, are, are we being too harsh on, on Arsenal? I mean, I mean, from where I was sitting. I, I, I thought West Brom were fantastic. I, I thought the way that they pressed when they didn't have the ball, that, that their players didn't stop running. I thought Odin Wingé in particular was outstanding. Um, and everything we threw at them, their back seven um, was, was completely impervious to everything. I thought in particular, bear in mind, uh, we went through a selection of bargain centre-half rumours in the, in the summer, Emir Sparhic and the like. Um, seeing people like Pablo Ibanez and, and Jonas Olsen looking fantastic for my money, you know, maybe... You know, we're reading too much into it. I think attitude is the word that Tim just mentioned. And uh, I think players like Andre Arshavan, um, actually Diaby again, so, certain players, they don't, there's, no, there's no spine there. It, it seems to me that they're a bit pampered, overpaid over here. And, and I don't really think some, some of the players are fighting. Uh, that, that, the thing is, you know, what, you know West, things like West Brom, when they turn up and want it, any team that really wants it against Arsenal can get a result. And, and I was strangely just reading today in the gym that the Tony Parsons thing, who um, uh, he's got this new book out, and he's got this section called Fever Bitch, right? And it's all about Arsenal and football and how it's all gone. And he, he mentioned William Gallas and the, you know sitting crying and kicking the hoarding and all that stuff. And he said when he saw that, he said that's it. I've had enough of it. He's had enough of this kind of attitude. Players who, you know, where are the Tony Adamses? Where are the Martin Keowns? Where are the George... Well, I was going to say George Graham there, but as a manager, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, or, well, yeah, well, you know compa- compared to some of the players we've got now, they get blown over by a piece of wind. And they, it's not that... I see Arshavan and what he's capable of and what he does, and there's a big gap between the two at the moment for me, I think. Um, uh, and, and that goes through the team. I'm not blaming Arshavan in particular. The whole team, that Victoria Concordia, we're going to have them spirit, just isn't there. It, it's a bit deeper than just attitude, though, isn't it? It's the football philosophy and construct that Wenger has put together. When it works, it's brilliant, but it can't grind out one nils. Mm. It, if the football doesn't click, they're in trouble. They don't pull you off for one nil wins four or five times a year when they play badly. So if they do hit and it just isn't working, it falls apart. They can't adapt. It gives us some fantastic four, five, six nils, but it's always going to give us the two or three games because it hasn't got that dig in, tough it out, solid defence and one moment of magic. It's in not words, there. In the words, Cesc Fabregas. I mean, he's, he's probably the only player who you'd say would fit into the invincible side, into the you know, unbeatables and into the... He's the sort of player you'd always have on your team. And there are players in the Premiership now who you say, yes... You know, you want that they are proper football players all round that get stuck in, don't complain, you know, get up when they're knocked down and all that. And but there's a lot, unfortunately, it's a very, it's, it's not what it used to be. Motivation is a very, very key point, actually. I mean, lest we forget, our captain on Saturday was our goalkeeper. Well, sorry, the bloke wearing the grey jersey between the sticks. I, I, as a goalkeeper myself, I, I, I wish to be disassociated with the waiter masquerading as a, a number one. Um, the man is the captain. Uh, we see this video that plays on the big screens now five minutes before kickoff, and you see the likes of Tony Adams and Fred McClintock shaking their fists, oh. screaming, fucking come on. Yeah. Um, you don't get that with this Arsenal team. I mean, no. the manager apparently um, uh, d- 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 likes to preach 
silence on the pitch. He likes his players to just know where they are. There is no screaming and shouting. And you, personally, I think that's one of the reasons we didn't end up signing Thomas Sorensen, a, a goalkeeper very much in the Jens Lehmann mould, who will tell his clueless centre-halves when they're out of position. Um, is, is there an argument that motivation is a problem? And, and does, notwithstanding his new three-year contract, can the manager still motivate the players? Um, Tim? We'll know that in about five days, but it does seem that at times he's struggling to, to, to motivate the players. He, he sort of believes in this mutual leadership or whatever it is where everyone's just got it built into them. I mean, having a goalkeeper as captain, even if they're a fantastic goalkeeper, it must be the wrong decision. They're not in the middle of it all. They can't constantly be in the face of the referee, showing some leadership to their teammates, you know, confronting the hard tackle and so on. That is wrong, isn't it? Even if, even if Almunia was as solid as they come, it's still not the right position to be captain. And it shows his mentality towards what the captain position does, which partly sums up that whole thing, I think, about how he approaches football. It's right on the edge. When it works, it clicks, it's brilliant, but he doesn't have the mixture of ingredients that you need, the toughness, the hardness, the get stuck in, the roll your sleeves up on a bad day. It's just not, it's just not built in. Well, the other thing is that the players have to respect the captain, and you do have to wonder how many of the outfield players, I mean, most of whom I think are all internationals, actually respect Almunia based on A, ability, um, and, and B, his character. I mean, he's a nice guy, but look at him at set pieces. And, uh, you know, if he had the personality of a captain, let's say, a, I mean, you could argue Schmeichel had the respect, uh, you know, associated with a captain, even if he was a goalkeeper. You know, you think a captain type would come clattering out and just make that area his own and take everything with him. You know, we're not getting that kind of character from any of our keepers at the moment. So to make any of them captain is foolish. And I just, I just think the players don't respect the guy, and so it's a bit pointless. What about the relationship between the players and the manager? Do you think it's based on respect, or do you think it's based on fear? Well, Probably too much respect and not enough fear. I think they appreciate what he's done for them every time they uh, look at their bank balance. But uh, I suspect he doesn't ball them out often enough. And it's, it's a problem in the game that obviously the players have all the power now because of the salaries they command. But at the same time, there is a balance to be found. You can do it. Ancelotti, I think, Mourinho, Ferguson... You know, these managers that win titles have got the balance. They've got superstar players being paid a hell of a lot of money, some of them quite young. Um, but they have a way to retain their respect and get them performing for them. Um, I don't think Wenger has that. I think it's become too cosy. Um, there's not enough character in the squad. And that's partly down to the way the players have been dealt with. A, by the manager, B, by the club, because they are so cosseted now. Um, so, I, I mean, basically, I, I mean, I'm actually tempted now to think that things are not going to improve under Arsenal. On the bright side, um, I think we've got to bear in mind uh, that, I mean, the way I see it is there's no Vermeulen at the moment, right? If you have Vermeulen back, you have Fabregas back, you've got Van Persie back. Um, I also think, I don't know why, you know, it's so obvious to me when a player like Diaby is taken off 
When we're two nil down, Rosicki comes on, and then all right, they get another goal. But still, it you know things. The play, like, for me, like Rosicki versus um, Diaby, it's no contest. You know, um, they're just you know one player is a a, a, a pitch aware player who knows what's around and will pass the ball, who'll, who'll make things happen, who'll who'll create stuff. Diaby's a player who will. Get the ball, turn attack into defence, uh, lose the ball, show shows a few Carnu-esque tricks. Um, and, and, and you know, I'm sorry, he is talented, but I don't, I don't see him as a professional footballer um, or to that uh, the level that I want at Arsenal in the midfield. <coughs> and um, I, I do think on the captain front, you know, okay, if Captain Sesk was in town, we'd, we'd have a completely different result then. I think as well. Unfortunately, we are a bit of a one-man team because the end of last season proved it. Sesk went away, everything fell to bits. Now again, he's not there, and you know we could have thrown, you know, the Tottenham match could have thrown that away actually at one point. Uh, and I do think that Vermeulen is looking for me for me as someone who was Cessna on the pitch, was Vermeulen fit? You know, Almoni wouldn't get the armband. I think Vermeulen is someone who's got a sort of bit Tony-esque uh, captain potential going for him in the future. Um, and just the way he turned up, he turns up at Arsenal, sort of run up the pitch, scores a couple of goals. As he's a bit of have a go. He's got weaknesses, but he has a go. And I think Koscielny and uh, Squillacci yet to be proven, but they are the sort of centre back kind of people you want. They look like centre backs at least. At least they're kind of you know, uh, uh, unlike Gallas, who was neither a captain nor a centre back. In my opinion, I'm sorry. I just, I just, I think his morale, the whole in the dressing room thing, his ego uh, just got in the way of. Of uh, once again that victory through unity thing. Well, the, the, I, I think I think you're right, Bassett. I mean, yeah, okay, we're all doom and gloom after the West Brom game, and looking at our timer, we're, we're 14 minutes of whinging into that. But you know, I mean, <laughs> we have we've played eight games this season. We had more had more wins than defeats, yeah. and, and you know, there have been some players that have impressed. I mean, you talk about Scalacci and Koscielny, who look like proper centre halves. Um, Sami Nasri has gone from being. Um, you know, where does he fit in? Is he a winger? Is he an inside player? To being arguably our most effective attacking player this year. And Marouane Shamak looks like the best parts of, of Bentner and Van Persie rammed together, only without glass ankles. Um, Tim, there must be some signs for optimism around the club, must there? Oh, of course there is. And, you know, don't, don't, doesn't the mood swing quickly as a football fan? I mean, I enjoyed Tuesday night at White Hart Lane. Probably the last time I came out of a ground feeling like that was probably... Milan a couple of years ago after the Champions League game when you felt, you know, is this the game where a young team has really shown what it's got and we're on the move again and, and, and where it's going? It's just that we've seen these fault lines, we've seen these concerns for four or five years and they keep coming back. Only two or three weeks ago the manager's telling us it's changed, they've matured, they're stronger. And I think, I think in a way, we don't cut any slack at the moment. We'll have such a better picture after these next two games. A really hostile Ooh. Champions League game away, and then Chelsea. And that will show you a lot about attitude and a lot about, in a way, you know, you, you are, you know, doesn't every team get one or two bizarre results? Chelsea, Chelsea lost to Wigan twice, uh, lost to Wigan away last year. Where it all goes horribly wrong. The problem is, doesn't feel like you can say with Arsenal, that's, that's one in 40. It feels more like it's one in 10. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think Chelsea are actually so good this season that you just can't afford to drop cheap points. And I, 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 I remember last season in Spain, Real Madrid actually had an incredible season. I think they ended up with about 97 points or something, and yet the manager got the sack because Barcelona got two more. Um, so sometimes you just have to face the, the reality that 
you're probably not going to win the league um, unless you, you literally win it. You know, every every point you should. Um, and I, I think that is going to be one of these seasons. I do actually think Chelsea are so much stronger than the other sides that uh, it could become a procession. I hope not, but I, I have that feeling. Oh, um, it's a Chelsea team that, that that struggled against the Manchester City side without a first choice right back or any weird, any real potent attacking threat, save for a, um, an Argentinian reject from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Who, who have we got back for the Chelsea manager? I don't Fabregas, hopefully. Amala, mm. hopefully. Well, I'm sure he'll play them if he possibly can. I mean, Probably our two best players. Yeah. Oh, and Almunia. Yeah. Yeah. over his little shoulder knock. <laughs> is this a shoulder knock? Elbow. Is this elbow. Sure elbow is it? Elbow. An elbow knock. I mean, well, you, know, you, know, you know what? I, 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 was, I, was going, I was going. I was going to move on to uh, to the the, the Carling Cup win over Spurs, but you know, it, it's the other elephant in the room that we can't ignore. I have a story. Kevin, tell me a story. I've been told, and I think this is bullshit, all right? But I've been told that Fabianski refused to replace Lehman on Saturday. That Lehman... How many? Oh, sorry. God. You really are are blocking it out, aren't you? I wish we had I was really (laughs) settled for Lehman coming (laughs) back (laughs) for Tuesday night, actually. If only, if only. Oh, hello. (laughs) But... Bear with me, Basti will continue. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to get after after come back to Kevin in a minute as our uh, our Chinese takeaways arrive. He has to go and deal with that. Um, Basti, um, the goalkeeper situation. Have our chickens come home to roost, and where do we go from here? Well, he's, I don't know what you mean by that. Um, by chick, I don't see any chickens anywhere. But um, well, I don't know. I saw a, I saw a coward in goal on Saturday afternoon. Well, let's put it this way: um, Wenger had a chance to buy a player. A goalkeeper didn't do it. Almunia's already two big claimers this season, isn't it? Or three? Well, two in the same game, I'd say. Mm. Um, uh, there was one earlier somewhere. I seem to remember. Yeah, oh, Liverpool. Liverpool game. Liverpool. That was a could have done better rather than mm. a clanger. But and uh, Fabianski, let's face it. I mean, the Tottenham goal. You know, um, most top-class keepers would have got 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 to that sort of shimmied whatever it was that Keane sent that yeah, way um, we don't have a top class keeper and, and Almunia is a, is a good keeper as George Graham said in the, one of the papers recently but he's not world class and when, we need someone we need a, a, a Schmeichel a Seaman a keeper who's going to win us you know 12 points a season because a world class keeper is worth 12 points a season Tim we've got 20 games in October November and December before the transfer window is open we have Manuel Almunia Wukash Fabianski Wojciech Szczesny and Vito Minone where do we go from here in terms of between the sticks I don't know maybe we send the Premier League a sick note saying they've got <laughs> manic depression and can we replace one of them because I think there's a little bit of truth in that I mean one of the problems with Almunia is very um, highly strong and definitely, you know, Wenger, some of what comes out of his mouth defending him, which is just ludicrous to all of our mindsets, but what he's desperately trying not to do is further knock the confidence of a player who's fragile like that. Some players would thrive under the challenge, wouldn't they? They'd be out there, chef passed up, I'll show you. You know, that's not the Almunia style. He was rested last year because of basically some short-term, you know, depression issues and not feeling Mm. great and so on, and the confident dies. Mm. The manager is totally stuck now. Everybody knows he was going after a goalkeeper, including his goalkeepers, but as he hasn't got one, he's got to talk them up. 
which probably makes himself look more ludicrous with his other 10 outfield players, let alone us lot. They have just created a a horrible, horrible rod for their own backs, and it is going to be... Did you say 20 games? I think it's 20 games in October, November and December. Oh, no. Well, uh, I, I Kev, you, Kev, you're in the in the process of, uh, of of telling us something with regards to mental fragility. I, I can't help but feel that t- these stories on the uh, on the same lines. Why don't you continue? Well, basically, I mean, uh, Fabianski reputedly would have come on at half time on Saturday, but there was some Tom to Trump or whatever, and he just refused to do it. So there is an argument that Almuni was injured in the second. Yeah, half. I heard that as well. Um, which. I mean, if, if this elbow injury is true, then you can say, yeah, you know, fair enough. I mean, maybe he shouldn't have been playing. Um, but I just, I just personally cannot accept the concept that a reserve, a, 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 the, the substitute goalkeeper would refuse to come on. I just don't... Well, I, I heard it slightly different, that there was a knock, but that the manager didn't want the reserve goalkeeper oh to God. come on, because at the time, when it was nil-nil, he perceived a slightly injured Almunia as better than Fabianski, who some people say he's told his coaching staff he never wants to play for the club again. Which, which, which then brings us to the point, what is he doing on the, on the bench for that game? Why would you put him on the bench if you had no intention of, of playing the guy? Is, is it because Wojciech Szczesny came out vocally last week and said it is my time to shine and the last thing the manager could possibly do is let a player with that much self-confidence talk his way into the side? Well, I mean, my question for you as our goalkeeping correspondent is, is the idea that he is in the last year of his contract actually true? It's very yeah, it's, it's completely and utterly true. He signed on a, on a four-year deal, um, which is the lo- longest he was allowed to in his age group, um, uh, three and a half years ago. Uh, there was a worry whether he'd be kept on after a freak uh, training ground incident when he broke both arms doing too many weights in the gym um, and just showing off to some of the other youth players. Um, the bell bar went, be- ah. went behind oh. his head and oh. broke both arms. Oh, my God. Uh, but, you know... So about- he's clever. <laughs> Right, kid. Could be just the sport we need, actually. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't give a damn about being hurt. Um, 15, 15 games being the best player at Brentford has made him think he's this generation's Lev Yashin. Um, well, he's obviously not for the manager. Otherwise, he would have secured him by now, which basically leads me to believe that he is Sylvain Wiltord in 2004, i.e. a player who everyone knows is departing and the manager isn't going to bother playing. Yeah, he, he's, this, he's, he's in the squad for the game against Partizan tomorrow night, and there's no sign of the lesser-spotted Vitolas Menonius. He will, his, con- his, con- his contract will be renewed, will be upgraded. I was told that by someone very senior from the club last week, and that will come through in the next few weeks. And is the if player... If he accepts it, of course, right. but no, that absolutely... So, the, so they're the, moving now. The intention, it was part of the wider explanation of why we've got to have a continually increasing wage bill and the upward pressure. He's one of those that is next in line to have the enhanced contract. Right. Well, Could I'm, it just be that actually Almunia's elbow is, uh, sounds like a poem of some sort, <laughs> isn't it? So that is, it, it, it's just the manager dropping him because he's... Well, it's often been the theory that Almunia's injuries are not always genuine and sometimes... I mean, there was a death in the family a year ago, which people didn't believe, and in fact, it turned out to be true. Um, it shows you how useless he is that the press won't even dig to find out that much gossip <laughs> about him. Well, perhaps it does show you how he does struggle with this kind of mental strength, mm. and that if he has got a bit of a knock, it's part of that attitude about, do I play through it, or don't I? I you know, I don't remember goalkeepers' players 
having little knocks as much 10, 20 well, years ago. Well, I'll tell you what, Bob Wilson, no gloves, in the mud, freezing cold, throwing himself at people's feet. Bert Troutman played on with a broken neck, <laughs> lest oh, we forget. I think we're, lack- <laughs> we're lacking. It's not just, you can't, bl- another thing, having been a B-team goalkeeper myself once at Hampstead Comprehensive School, um, I can tell you that... That classic line-up. Everyone, <laughs> everyone always blames the keeper, right? Um, you're standing, everyone's shouting at the keeper. Now, what the bloody hell's the ball doing there in the first... What, you know, let's get it up. The he, attack he is the best form of defence. But, but, but I've got to say that Almunia, uh, you know, we need a bit of Dunkirk spirit throughout the side. If we had that, the goalkeeper would be under less pressure. You know, we, we do not have... That as once again the Tony Adams but well we've got our full complement we've got Fabregas we've got Vermeulen we've got uh, Van Persie up front and with Arshavan and or, or Rosicki we've got a pretty uh, Nasri we've got you know there's, there's, there's a, that spine that we used to have when it was Seaman Adams Wright you know with kind of Bergkamp moving around or something. Well, is know, his song an equivalent to the era? He's not bad song. Only in the sense right. they both have a head. <laughs> He's all, no, but I he like, didn't do I very do well on Saturday. Well, no, but without Fabregas by his side. See, no, but Fabregas plays ahead of him. You've got two holding central midfield players. And my argument was we should have bought a partner, a decent partner for song in the summer. Because yeah. it's key to protect the defence and the keeper. You know, as much as you yeah. can. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, Song, I think, could be one of a decent pair. Yeah. Jack Wilshire has been playing there as the holding player. With as him. an education. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he's, he's, he's got bite and he's got tackle, but ultimately his talents are possibly wasted there. And I'm pretty sure that when Cesc does go next summer, we'll find that Wilshire is probably the player who gets a chance to replace him. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't think we are strong enough in that part of the field. So when we talk about a spine, you know, you've got Song there, but it's just him. You know, if you look back on the great Arsenal teams, there was always a couple of them. Yeah. Just a very quick, sorry, going back to the goalkeepers, but very, very, very quickly. Um, Tim, as our man on the inside, why was a goalkeeper not bought when Peter Hillwood, um, as, as always, gets caught coming out of lunch a bit pissed by a journalist from the Daily Star back in May, admitted that Arsenal were bidding for Mark Schwarzer. May became June, subsequently July, August, and we're in this situation uh, on August the 31st where we are still unable to complete a deal for Mark Schwarzer, despite him apparently being the man that manager's um, only target. Um, Why was the goalkeeper not bought? Was it it bargaining? Was it sheer ineptitude on the part of Gazidis and his cronies? It was probably a little bit of both from one other factor going on, which was that Schwarzer wasn't actually the first target. My reading of the tea leaves is he was the backup target. And it's widely known now, I think, that at the beginning of the summer, the big bid went in for Rayner. Right. A £20 million bid went in for Rayner. And they were hoping that the player, the player wants out and Liverpool's financial situation would see it happen. So definitely had advanced talks with Shea Given, which you could have said, why are you wasting your breaths? They won't let him come to us. I think that Schwarzer was almost the backup. Oh, he can, and if he, you know... Back up stroke if he comes in, plays a few games, moves on to becoming yeah. a coach, gives a bit of solidity there, and maybe something else will happen alongside it. When a couple of big moves weren't moving and, and nothing moved in the transfer market this summer, unless you were City with ridiculous money, clubs had sussed that the money they got for selling a player, they weren't able to use it to go and get one from anywhere else. It's a bit like when house markets grind down for a while. 
I think that then they were just too laid back and felt that they picked Schwarzer up on the final day. Yeah. And then when is it stopped there David and got stopped injured, injured, they just had nowhere to go. And it's, you know, quite frankly not good enough, is it? I mean, even a week before the window, you make sure something could happen. But, so it's even more frustrating to know that they were prepared to write out the cheque for £20 million to get the goalkeeper that would make the difference. Now they have to weigh up. Do you move in January from maybe not your long-term ideal target and the cup tie situation, but I just sense, and again, there was some hints coming through from some chats next week, I think they will do something in January. Um, that's interesting. The, 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 there's a lot of truth apparently in, in the rumour that Rayner was Wenger's first choice. Then, oh, he was. They bid for yeah. They bid for Rayner. The Cracking. problem we've got though now is that without well, we we can't buy anyone till January. January. We've got twenty so, games. Twenty games with Almonia and Fabianski. That's it, isn't it? No, I mean you've, you've basically uh, you've written off a season. I mean, you know, through through that casual approach in the summer towards a replacement. Arsenal always like to, to, to try and drive a hard bargain, often leave it late, and, you, you know, they are going to get caught out. I mean, I remember the summer when, I don't know how close it was, but we were a couple of million short for Alonso, who Real Madrid bought for a lot more money a, a year later. I bet, what, didn't, didn't that transpire that that was Liverpool leading us a merry dance? And, well, uh, I mean, they wanted Gareth Barry, and if they'd have got him, then they would have let him go. So it was a bit like a chain there. But if we really meant business, we should have forced the issue by paying them enough so that they could get Barry and getting Alonso. Because mm. um, that was the season, I think 2008-2009, when we really were never at the races. I mean, the, the, we were out of it by October, I'm from memory. Um, it's, it's a pattern that repeats itself. Again, another bid that went in this summer was £16 million for Jaggy Elka. Mm. Everton turned around and said, we got £24 million for Lescott and we value him more highly. So that's where you've got to start. <laughs> Probably, quite rightly, Arsenal said, a player coming back from a cruciate who's not that stunning, is not worth £25 million. But that's what they were hitting. You know, I don't know how high they went for Rayner, but I think at the time, Liverpool just weren't going to sell because they were trying to get the sale through, and the, getting the sale through actually required having something decent to, to sell. But the point is that between the manager and the chief exec and the others in the club, you'd have thought that by the time August ticked round, they'd have worked out they had to do something. Mm. Yeah, well, it looks like it's there's a lot of fumbling going on, and not you know no real hardcore decisions. Saying oh, you know, there's a lot of uh, buck passing and waiting and seeing and uh, I mean, worrying about the the, 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 the finances. You know, I yeah. mean, a bit too much. Yeah, too much. And the team is start, It looks to me like the team's kind of coming second to our marvelous profit and bank balance situation. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind them refusing to pay silly money for Jagielka. What I what I do then want is for their scouting system to kick in and say, okay, you can't get this guy for sixteen million, but there's a bloody decent fella over here for seven or eight million. Now that may be Koscielny, although he was signed early. In the end, we got Scalacci because of numbers. You know, we just didn't have enough. Now, might turn out to be an inspired signing. I don't know. It's too early to say. But you know, there are other positions which needed addressing, which we had the finance to address. It didn't happen, and I think that's borders on negligence, frankly. Mm. You know, we've we've got money in the bank which, you know, doesn't actually serve us well on the field at the moment. It, it's, it's, it's just lying there, gaining rid of interest. Well, football fans don't want to watch 
balance sheets. You know, they want to watch a team that can win trophies. So two questions for each of you. The first one, I'll I'll, I'll ask you all individually. 20 games, October, November, December. Hmm. All four of our goalkeepers are fit. Who's your Arsenal number one, Kevin Witcher? Oh, undoubtedly the younger pole of Chesney, as I call him. Um, I mean, he is the best keeper at the club. And, you know, we've, we've all heard how old Casillas was when he made his impact. I think we, we've... I mean, Manninger, Manninger did well when he was used. Stuart Taylor did well when he was used. Wenger has used young keepers before and been successful. Now, obviously, Manninger had some problems later down the line and, and lost form. Um, but I certainly think it's... I mean, given the alternatives, this guy's got to be worth a look. Uh, Tim, you're Arsenal goalkeeper for the, uh, the next three months. Until the weekend, I would have said you need to go with Almunia. And, you know, most of the time he's fine. But given where we are now, I don't see what you've got to lo- lose from trying... Trying the young Polish goalkeeper can't do any harm, can it? Can't get worse. No. Basti, is it the hat trick? Is it the match ball for Wojciech Chetsny? Yeah, if I could pronounce his name, uh, I haven't actually seen him play. No, so nor have I. Nor have yeah, neither of most fans. Arsenal but fans. But I haven't seen yeah. him play, so it's hard to say. But let's put it this way: as Sybil once said to Basil, he can't do any worse than you know. Um, Manuel. Well, what, was it Manuel, <laughs> Manuel and um, the other Rukash. one, and, and the major. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, let's put it this way: Fabianski's. Uh, you know, I've seen him a couple of times and it's just not strong enough and that's a player whose confidence is completely shattered, shattered. obviously shattered uh, Almunia is not far behind him looking at the tabloids today I mean if he if he's allowed to read English newspapers he's going to be uh, you know uh, the, the thing is you know uh, at the risk of being politically incorrect you know the, the Spanish the French the you know they they don't they never really had a lot of that what we might call Dunkirk spirit and I don't I, and uh, I think it's horrible the way the press slag people off and do things to them but you know I, I think mental strength as Monsieur Wenger <laughs> likes to put it is something that there isn't quite enough of and just emotional strength actually I think you need in this game these days as well it was only 15 months ago that Fabio Capello was trying to get him an English passport (laughs) (laughs) oh no it's ridiculous isn't it that's all that's what the season on loan for Birmingham can do for you and uh, I am the only Arsenal fan I'm sure who would install a Ron Greenwood like rotation policy between (laughs) Vito Minone and Wojciech Chetsny um, as it takes the pressure off if they make a couple of mistakes knowing full well that they've got a game off um, but there we go that's just me um, that's unfortunately oh no it's not quite all we've got time for very quickly despite all this, this doom and gloom and this pessimism the fact we haven't got a goalkeeper the fact we missed out on Pepe Reina and, and Phil Jagielka as far as I can tell we've had eight games so far this season six in the league a, a huge 6-0 against Braga in the Champions League and of course the bending over of Tottenham at Scheidt Fart Lane we've won three drawn two and lost one um Based on what we've seen so far, Basti, can it be Arsenal's year? Very quickly. That wasn't bending over, that was bum rape. <laughs> the highest, na- highest um, thing. Uh, can it be Arsenal's season, did you say? Very quickly, yes. <sighs> God, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Kevin Witcher. I'm afraid we will fall short um, through a mixture of the, the defensive situation and injuries. Tim. It can't be the season to, I don't think, win the big two tournaments. The interesting thing is, is that's accepted a little bit more inside the setup because they could well win the two minor cups with the talent they have. And if they focused on them, they've got teams that are built for that kind of competition. 
But will they do that? Call the domestic cups. That's a fantastic topic for a podcast. Can we win the Carling Cup? We're back will, to where we were will Arsene Wenger stick the first team out when we play Yeovil at home on a Saturday? You'll have to tune in next week to find out, as that's your lot for this time. Just a time for the usual reminder that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. So thanks once again to our sponsors, gunashirts.com. And there's just time for our panel to bid farewell. Tim? Till the next time. Basti. Ta-ra. And Kevin. Make sure that pizza doesn't burn back. Yeah, exactly. la di da And I'm your host, David Dillon. Thank you for listening. la di da di da la di da di dee All good friends and jolly good company. Way!